Mm. There we go. We are live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the live. This is Facebook Ads Masterclass Power Hour with me, Charlie. Welcome to it. If you enjoy these things, please feel free to subscribe, follow, do anything that you need to do to make sure that you don't miss these things. Tap the bell, all of those fun things. You can find we are live right now on Clubhouse. We are also live on the Facebook group, which you should join. There's about 12,000 of you in there, and it is a huge archive of a bunch of great information. There's also the LinkedIn and the YouTube, which if you're watching on YouTube, hey, what well, nice to see you. If you're on any of those things, please feel free to comment while we're doing any of this stuff. If you have questions up there on Clubhouse, raise your hand. We're going to do. All, we're going to get to every one of your questions. And, yes, I do talk rather fast, but this is all available on replay for free. So, I'd rather be able to answer all of your questions as quickly as possible where you can go back and check them all out later. And I have somebody that will be transcribing all of this stuff that will be available on the newsletter. So if you want to get in on the newsletter, by the way, you can go to facebookinstructor.com, sign up for that newsletter. It is $1 to get started and then $13.99 after that each additional month. And you'll be getting exclusive content. You're going to be getting brand new articles. You're going to be getting videos. You're getting guest contributors. All sorts of awesome things. Go to facebookinstructor.com, sign up for $1 to get started. And then if you like it, hey, you can stick around. There'll be a little bit more after that. Anyway, with that being without any further ado, all that being said, let's get to it. So prioritizing the user experience. This is the last lesson in Don't Fight the Beast Facebook Ads Best Practices Part 1. We are going to have Part 2 coming out at the very beginning of August. So you can join the Patreon and you will not miss that either. Or, of course, you can do your homework and get any of this stuff at a 20% discount. And we'll give the homework right after the lesson. So if you've been paying attention to those in the home game, so far what we've been covering is obsolete metrics like cost per click, CPMs, click-through rate, all of that stuff that we just don't even need to give a damn about on Facebook ads anymore because it's no longer pre-optimized CPM environment. We also got into iOS 14 and Facebook ads. Who's got the most to lose? What do you need to know? How do we move forward with this? And really why Facebook ads reporting is off, and that doesn't matter at all because it never has been accurate no digital platform advertising uh, attribution has ever been accurate, and that's perfectly okay. We got into the history of complicated ad accounts, right? Why are ad accounts complicated? Where do things come from? Why do we still have interest groups, even though they're completely obsolete and the liability to our success? We got to that, and as well as the organization of Optimize CPM and Facebook ads. We got into the most powerful weapon, the ad. We got into the learning phase. We explained it. We talked about best practices. We talked to you how to organize. We last time that we met, which was yesterday, we got into targeting with creative, which is how every elite advertiser runs a Facebook ad account. If they are not targeting by creative, it means that, well, honestly, they're, they could get better. Anybody can improve, and that is one of the easiest areas to improve upon. So with all of that being said, let's get to the biggest lesson here, which is prioritize the user experience. This is something that most people get wrong, and I really, really, really want to drive this home as much as I can. So prioritize the user experience. Remember, Facebook is different than other platforms. Google, Amazon, email, et cetera. These are what we call inventory and demand-based platforms, which means what you do is you make an ad and then you force that on ad on as many people as possible. And then you see when I force a burden on somebody, which one of those burdens that I'm using force and bidding models to impede somebody's uh, happiness in their experience, which one of those is best for my profitability? Now, when we call that Google and Amazon, we call demand-based platforms. Also, Pinterest is another demand-based platform. Things with keywords. People type in keywords, then they get something back. They demand inventory, and then they are fed back an experience. 
inventory-based platforms are things like email. Also, to another extent, we have uh, programmatic ads where you buy inventory or you distribute to inventory. So email, you have inventory. You have everybody on your email list. They see something, and you have to curate that experience. Or we also have where you buy a banner on like CNN.com or Nike or something like that. And then you buy that space and everybody lands on that, gets to see what you're doing. So best practices for that is something that we see a lot of people talk about and preach on Facebook. And it's fundamentally a liability to your success on the Facebook platform. Now, it has been successful for a lot of people basically because the the clients are really good. If your client is really good, you don't have to do a good job as a marketer to succeed. Like when I was working, for instance, with like the Levi's team, do you think Levi's really lived and died my, by my ability to force a Facebook ad onto people to sell the 501s at 30% off? No, they're like I'm probably close to a billion dollar company. They don't need my help, right? And they were amazing clients to deal with because of that. And I got to learn a lot. My point is even on the smaller level, especially with agencies, especially with small pop mom and pop shops where people are like, well, this guy's been in business for 10 years and all of his clients are successful. Yeah, they're probably successful with or without that person, that guy or gal that's running that agency. If they're running things poorly, meaning that they are using Google, Amazon, email, et cetera, best practices, you can still succeed with that. The problem that we're facing is the price of the inventory, the cost of advertising on Facebook and the effectiveness Facebook's unfair advantage in the marketplace to take use of everybody's private information to force an experience that is positive for the advertiser gets harmed every year. It gets worse and worse. This is something we've seen for five, six years in a row. I mean, when I first started running Facebook ads, I was spending a million dollars a day for CBS when I was getting started at big budgets. And we were seeing CPMs of like three dollars, three bucks. Now, if I got a $3 CPM, I, I, I throw a million dollars out of myself. Like, I, I would. Like, I mean, I don't have a million dollars, but I absolutely would. Like, the point is, that was seven years ago. So the cost of advertising is continued to go up. As the cost of advertising goes up, you have to lean more and more to the best practices because you're not going to be able to get by while doing things poorly. And that's one of the biggest things that we really need to understand. You have to adopt best practices or you are going to fall further and further behind. And some of the biggest struggles that I'm seeing in June and July is for a lot of advertisers that have have historically relied on doing things poorly because Facebook was easy or because they were taught poorly by other folks that were underpaid, uh, overworked and poorly trained. And I'm here to really help all of you get out of that cycle because it is a really Honestly, it's just it's it's a toxic one. And, and my mo- number one motivation here is obviously, and I say this all the time, your success. And I want you to have less stress, more money in your pocket, and more time in your hands. And honestly, that's how Facebook is designed to work. Some of my best students, I, I, have, I have some guy that's right now inside of my Facebook ads MBA program that went from day trading Facebook to literally spending 90 minutes or, or so a week on his Facebook ads. And he's spending over a thousand, two thousand dollars a day. And he literally had so much free time that he uh, went in and started just taking Chase Diamond's email course because what I taught him was so effective within the first six weeks that he literally had 20 extra hours a week, 30 extra hours a week and was making more money every week than he was the week before. That's the kind of thing that we want to see. Less work, better success. 
One of the biggest things that we see here that's a liability is people think that hard work is how you succeed in Facebook, and it's not. The way you succeed is prioritizing the user experience. Now, what we really want to focus in on here is what is Facebook's overall business objective versus other platforms? Facebook's overall business objective is, and if you heard me say this before, you can repeat it loud with me. They sell attention for profit. They want to keep you on the platform for as long as possible. The average person swipes the height of the Eiffel Tower on a daily basis. Your job is to provide content that they see in a way that also provides good, positive um ROI for your business. Now, what this means is Facebook is trying to ultimately deliver their business objective that is maintaining somebody's time on the platform, which is why it's fundamentally different than demand and inventory-based platforms. What works on Google and Amazon on email is to get somebody to see something, click it, buy, and go about the rest of their life. Google, it's terrible if you're on if you're searching on Google for like 10 minutes. Amazon, like if you have to go for 10, 20 minutes to find something on Amazon, Amazon has failed. Facebook, if your site, if your time using Facebook or Instagram is like less than 10 or 15 minutes, then the content they've shown you wasn't good enough. And so if you're the reason that somebody leaves the Facebook platform, you are harming their overall business goals. So you are going to have to pay more money to play in Facebook, which means ultimately you have to design content to appease and, and to make your customers, your end user experience better. And that's the big thing we have to understand is Facebook doesn't give a damn about you trying to sell something. Facebook wants the average user to spend more time on Facebook. Your ads are just organic content with money behind them. There's really no difference other than when you want ads, you have like a little bit extra functionality because there's a call to action button and a headline. The formatting is a little bit different. But other than that, it's the exact same thing. The same logic that you learn when you run organic content like well, how do I get more views on my Instagram reels? How do I get more likes on my Instagram posts? How do I get more reach on my Facebook? The exact same thing holds true when it comes to your ads. If you're good at building TikTok stuff, if you have a lot of viewers on your YouTube, all of those principles still work the same because you're trying to create content that the end user likes. The more the people like it, the bigger reach you get. On Facebook, the more people like it, the lower your cost to advertise to other people. And because that advertising cost is lower and lower and you reach more and more people, your click-through rate's gonna go to shit because we don't give a damn about click-through rate. We're not harmed by that. If we if we show our ad to more and more people because it's cheaper and cheaper, yes, less people are likely to click out of the hole as a percentage of overall impressions, but we're reaching more people for cheaper, so we're gonna probably get a greater amount of things, which is, again, why CPMs don't matter. Click-through rate doesn't matter. CPC doesn't matter. What ultimately matters is the estimated action rate, which is how Facebook measures the user experience. So to kind of review this, if you build ads that appeal to your target customer, because remember, we're targeting with creative. Remember, your ads are web pages, right? Every ad has a URL. Facebook measures the click-through rate and the bounce rate and the stickiness of every single one of those ads. Every one of those ads builds their own lookalike audience. Because remember, Facebook says, well, this person liked this ad, and this person liked this ad, and this person liked this ad. Well, they all have something in common. Let's show this ad to more people that look and feel like that. 
which is exactly the same thing that Instagram and Facebook are doing. Facebook owns Instagram, so it's always the same thing, by the way. There's no difference between a Facebook ad and an Instagram ad other than somebody decided that they're only going to show it to like one platform versus another because they don't feel like success is important to them. Or they were taught poorly by somebody else that said, well, you should absolutely separate them. No, you shouldn't. Auto placement all the time. And if somebody tells you otherwise, you tag me in that comment and I'll gladly help other people not suffer by listening to that advice and train that person up so they can understand why the advice they're giving might not be the best. And then we can all grow and succeed together. Because again, my number one objective is more success and less stress for everybody, including teachers. So my point here is your ad, your post, just like it was organic, also is the is also uh, how ads run. So they make their own lookalike audiences. So Facebook make the ads make lookalike audiences that they go and try to find anybody in the world, which is why we don't restrict the ads, which is why broad targeting works. Because if you restrict the audience that Facebook can go and find, you know, you might have a lookalike audience that wants to reach however many people, but because you're doing some targeting audience where you're paying extra, you can't have, let that ad see everybody because it's almost assured that that ad is going want to reach people that aren't in the audience that you gave Facebook. So now you're paying extra to reach a lesser than all the amount of people that Facebook thinks is really good. And all of those cheap conversions that you would pay less to get to in the first place aren't even an available option because you try to throw in some lookalike targeting or some interest group or some behavior or something else because we target with our creative against broad. That's why this works, right? That's how Facebook was designed. And I've talked to the engineers for years and years and years now. Like we put together the Power Five to help people understand how this works. And that's where I'm here to try to really help you begin to succeed. Because if you can understand how this works, then making it work gets really, really easy. So remember, because every ad is a web page, every web page has a click-through rate and a bounce rate and a stickiness. It has an estimated action rate, which is Facebook's internal metric measurement of those things. And also positive and negative sentiment, right? So based on that, it builds lookalike audiences off of those ads so that they can see, well, this post ID appeals to other people that look and feel like this. We're going to show it to those other people. As long as you haven't done the terrible thing of restricting your targeting to some point where you're only going to try to focus this ad, but not to everybody that likes it, just the people that you think are going to like it, and then try to force this ad on people that it might not actually be good with. And then you might even go down the awful rabbit hole of like trying to use cost caps against a whole bunch of lookalikes by forcing your ads using Google and Amazon practices on Facebook is why you're going to suffer. When your business suffers and fails on Facebook, it's not because Facebook doesn't work. It's because you're using a platform that has a completely different business objective, the strategies for that on Facebook. And you are going to see issues with your success, right? If you're not lining yourself up for your customer and for your business partner, in this case, Facebook, then you're going to struggle, right? That's just the way that it works. So last point here is when you do that, you are going, when you get your ads and you let them see the lookalike audiences and you're prioritizing the user experience by making content that people will enjoy and interact with and feel positively about, which you can get to by testing by concept and then elevating the best winners of that test, which is again, is in the one campaign rule them all ebook. It's on the site. You can get a 20% off code if you do your homework this week, or you can get 50% off joining the Patreon or the Slack and get all 19 ebooks plus hundreds of hours of video and of dozens and dozens of articles. So 50% off DM me today if you want to get in on that with by doing today's homework. When you line yourself up like that, you're going to get more and more efficient conversions, right? We're, this is going down the old adage of 
If you focus on the journey of getting better every single week, every single month, the concept of Kaizen, then the ultimate end goal effectively becomes irrelevant because you're not worried about the end goal. The end goal of succeeding or some you know, nice qualitative statement doesn't really matter. If your ultimate objective in the journey is to get better every single week, it's just a matter of time until you're so good that your only liability is you're not spending enough. You're not taking advantage of enough opportunity. The way that you scale an ad account isn't by spending more money. It's by getting a better and better and better, more and more efficient system by getting better ads that more appropriately design themselves to prioritize the user experience. Get your average cost down. I dropped a video on YouTube last week where I got the average cost of a brand down from $60 a sale to $12 a sale. And what we did is we lowered the cost from $30,000 a day to like five or $10,000 a day. I made an extra million dollars a month by reducing the Facebook ad spend and actually got them more revenue because we prioritized the user experience, right? It made it easier and easier to succeed. Your number one objective isn't to hit a target CPA goal and then spend as much money as possible. It's to just consistently lower your cost per acquisition. And then eventually you just have so much revenue and profit that you feel like, you know what, the next best thing for me to do is invest in growth. And you do that. My last point here is that using big data and prioritizing your customer is how you win in an algorithm that optimizes the user experience. Ultimately, better customers is what reduces your cost. Not hacking Facebook. Better ads equal a better business. Prioritize the user experience or get focused and ready to find something other than Facebook to rely upon. Because if you're not leaning into your partner's business objectives, you're going to absolutely be setting yourself up for more and more struggle. That's the bottom line. Okay, so your homework for this week, if you want to get 20% off any of the ebooks or 50% off the Patreon or the Slack channel is simply this. I need you to DM me either A, yes, I am prioritizing user experience. I'm using broad everywhere and let me know how it's working for you. Or B, I'm actually still running Facebook like it was Amazon or Google or email. Here's kind of what I'm doing wrong. And then let me know one idea you think that you could do to improve on that. Let me coach you and get you that first step to set you up for success. And if you do that, if you let me help you succeed, you can get a discount on a lot more other stuff to help you succeed. Remember, I'm not trying to sell you on things, I'm just trying to help you get more success and less stress with your Facebook ads. Also, small uh, little, uh, you know, advertisement here. In case you're interested, go to facebookdisruptor.com and you can sign up for the newsletter. It's $1 for the first month. After that, it's $13.99. You get multiple emails every week with exclusive content, long form articles, video recommendations, and guest contributions of people all over the world and things that are well above and beyond just Facebook. I got Google Data Studio people coming in. I got email people coming in. I got YouTube people coming in, TikTok people coming in, and Amazon people coming in. You uh, like things for everything coming in. And this is going to be awesome. It's the next best, best step that I can do. It's if, if, if you don't, can't, don't have the money right now to join Patreon, it's a great way to get a little bit of a taste of what's happening. And based on that, you're going to scale up your business and get enough success. So you can join the Patreon. And when you get into the Patreon and you really start to see success and you ask your questions there and you really get level up, then it's easy for you to jump into the Slack group. And that's the ultimate goal here. Let's build up your business. Let's get you more success. 
And then you can get better and better and you can afford the next level of support. And really ultimately all I'm trying to do is get you so good that you don't even need my help anymore. And then you're out there helping other people. And that's really what this is all about. Because honestly, 80% of the people that buy Facebook ads have bad ideas on what they're supposed to do. Honestly, four out of five people are not good at this job because they were trained by people who are poorly trained and overworked and underpaid, who were trained by people who are overworked and, and, and poorly trained and underpaid. We are like five years of people really diving into this. Once the Facebook Optimized CPM platform came out and we started to see the conversion objective of the Facebook pixel, because remember, that wasn't always a thing. I was spending a million dollars a day, but that wasn't even an option. Once that happened, it became so easy. That everybody got in the game. And sadly, the vast majority of people that I see teaching don't understand how Facebook works. They just don't. And I would legitimately say the best people in the world don't teach because they're super successful otherwise. And legitimately, four or you know, four out of five people, nine out of ten people maybe, aren't good. And I'm here to help change that. Anyway, with that being said, I'm going to take a swig of my juice. Please raise your hand. I'm going to answer a bunch of questions. I see stuff from YouTube. I see stuff from Clubhouse. And we're going to get to all of it. Clubhouse comes first. YouTube is uh, going to be after that. There's several questions from the same person on YouTube. And I remember you from yesterday. So it's good to see it. Anyway, with that, I'm going to take a quick break because I don't think I've actually inhaled in about 22 minutes. And then we're going to get to it. Mmm. Whew. You think I talk fast on Clubhouse? You guys got to see the actual YouTube videos because it is fire. Anyway, with that being said, um, let's get to it. So, first question comes from Manal. Hey, I think I remember you from yesterday. I think was that you? Yeah. What was that? You cut off for a second. Oh, I think I saw you. Were you here yesterday also? No, I was uh, I was here on Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Okay, sorry. I, I'm not used to doing more than one of these a week, so now it's like the third one in three days. I'm like, ah. Anyway, great to see you again. How can I help? Yeah, great to see you. So, uh, I just had like two quick questions. I remember last time you talked about uh, like scaling doesn't necessarily mean like scale and spend. You also said like scale your like ad account slowly to get like efficient over time. So, I was going to ask that like. What if I want to like scale quickly and like, cause you know, like there's like dropshippers out there, like silly products. So what if I want to like burn out the product in two weeks and like, just like spend like a couple of thousand dollars a day before I, uh, before anyone hops in. So like, what's your take on that? And also I was going to say like for, from this pre previous products I was running, like I scaled it to like one K a day and then now it like kind of died off after a few weeks. So, what would you do, uh, like, what would you recommend I do with all that existing traffic? Like, should I, like, make lookalikes or... Love it. Uh, love it. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, so, first off, first off, let me say thank you for, for, for coming here. Great question. Second, I did release, a, like, a 15-minute long video on the YouTube, like, last week about how to go from drop shipping to brand building, vertical integration, and the business model of actually succeeding in that fashion. Um, that all being said, let me answer more directly the questions you have right now regarding this topic. So, um, first thing, if I can kind of repeat this is you were saying, how do I scale quickly? So scaling quickly is absolutely something you can do. The honest truth is you can spend more money right away if you want to. 
What we're talking about here is best practice to protect the efficiency that you gain based on you hitting some level of stability. However, if you want to risk that by throwing more money at something, that's not necessarily the wrong thing to do. Or it's not necessarily a bad idea. The point is that the more you do that, the higher the level of risk of your level of success. Because remember, your bid, what you pay to get a conversion, is directly built around your budget and your estimated action rate. So what I would really recommend is after you start running ads, first off, if you want to scale something big, to test at a larger budget so it's easier to scale quickly or it's easier to scale at a larger volume. In addition to that, um, I highly recommend that you spend as much money as possible in as few places as possible. And you can also use something that we talk about inside of the eBooks. E I think it's two eBooks from last year, best practices for 2020, one and two. Talk about performance gate scaling where you can use automated rules to scale your account for you based on performance. I'd highly recommend that you take a look at those eBooks to do it. What I can tell you though is, um, I like the idea for you to be able to scale quickly, really quickly, you're gonna have to basically hit some efficiency that's better than your target. And then say your target cost per is 50 bucks and you're selling things for say $25. You can double your spend overnight. And even if you don't get a single extra purchase, you're still going to come in at or below your target goal. So my point is, now maybe that's a bit hyperbolic. Maybe it's 50 bucks and you're selling it for 40. You can increase your spend by 25% because you're increasing that spend. Even if you don't get any extra conversions, the added spend divided by the total number of conversions is still at your target CPA. So you can identify where your headroom is. And if you spend for a day or two and you've identified, say, you, say you're spending, you get out of the learning phase, and you've identified some headroom. You increase your budget to match that headroom. You get a few extra sales. And they can do it again and do it again and do it again. That's a really easy way. I've done that before and gone from like two, three thousand dollars to like twenty or thirty thousand dollars in a matter of a couple of weeks. It, it is not completely unheard of. And if you're in the right space where you have the right assets for that in the market, you're gonna absolutely do that. Um, most specifically, there's a client, there's a customer, um, a student that I had last year, his name is Yash Sharma. And um, we, we got him to twenty, thirty thousand dollars days. And it was amazing, basically taking that route. Um, I won't go into the finer mechanics of all of it just because we have so many questions. I want to make sure to answer everybody. But the biggest thing that I would do is identify the headroom that you have based on your cost per acquisition. ROAS is pointless. ROAS doesn't mean anything on Facebook. Honestly, your CPA on Facebook doesn't mean anything. Total conversions, total revenue from your store divided by total spend. That gives you your CPA. Identify what your target CPA has to be, your cost per acquisition, your cost per purchase, your cost per result. When you identify that cost per result, if it is less than your target, you'll be able to understand, well, how much more can I spend? And if I don't get a single extra conversion, I'm okay. You can start adding that budget. Make a move, wait a day or two, make another move. If you wanna completely automate that, you can use what I call performance gate scaling, which is an automated scaling technique I've been using for several years now. And if you want to know more about that, there's some live feeds in it. There's some other stuff in it. And there's also just, it's like in two different eBooks, the basic version and then the advanced version of doing that. And I think we also talk a little bit about it in, in this one as well. But so that would be one of the things that I do. The second part of your question around what do you do with all of these people and how do you develop things is I would very much focus, and this is also in the very long form version of the drop shipping video. And I know I'm talking really, really fast. We can obviously just check this up out on YouTube and rewind and go about half speed just so I get to everybody's things. Plus I've gotten some really strong concentrate cold brew today with my cup from 
coffee dose that says, uh, so fucking Zen. You can see it on the YouTube if you're interested. Anyway, um, with that being said, the other thing I would do is pick products that are vertically integrated. So basically the idea is don't pick like a lawnmower and then a power washer, cat food, and then like a hair gel. Pick products that all fit so you can sell the additional products to the existing customers that you have. The point here more than anything is that you're building a brand. You're not trying to necessarily get lucky a million times by drop shipping stuff. You, you have a business, you're selling a product. When somebody buys that product, try other things in the post-transactional upsell, like that thing from Ezra Firestone. Go print some money for that guy by printing money for yourself. Also in your email that you get when you send somebody a receipt and additional things, you can say, here are other products that we're selling. Based on those things, you can do product testing to identify what other products your existing customers want to buy. Once you identify what existing products your customers want to buy because they're vertically integrated, you can then run ads around that and basically just check, chase the next hot item. And then we have two or three items. You don't have to worry about other drop shippers coming in and stealing the products and stuff because you built a brand around those products. A lot of brands are built around things that were, you know, get, were like, you know, uh, cliche, like little products or little gadgets, things that were kind of hip for a little while, but you can still build a brand around trying to address the needs of that customer. I've done this repeatedly. One of the times I did this was like with a squishy cat thing, where it was like a phone thing, uh, like a little case that had like a little cat thing where you could like touch its belly. And then we got into that with phone cases. We got little uh, fidget things. We got cat food. We got little things. We built up this entire squishy cat store built around just drop shipping products that we were able to stack because they were all vertically integrated. We could sell to our existing customers. So our lookalike audiences actually worked because it was still the same customer. We were going after retention so we could get the LTV up of the existing customers that we had and acquire new customers because when they came to our store, even if they didn't buy the product that we were selling, they would buy other things because they were all related to each other. We were getting a higher and higher AOV on the initial purchase plus a higher and higher LTV based on frequency of purchases. So the point is don't consider yourself a drop shipper. You can drop ship your way into building a brand. And if you want to know more about that, there's a great long video on the YouTube that I highly recommend you check out. But for starters, with that all being said, I just talked a mile a minute. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. I was just, uh, you said you should only like all your attention into like one thing or give Facebook like a few options so you can focus. So would that be like, are you against like horizontal scaling, like duplicating? And yeah. Like yeah. You don't need, I'll tell you this flat out. You do not need to horizontally scale until you are spending at least a million dollars a year. Flat out, it is a liability to your success. It's going to make Facebook look good, potentially, at the expense of overall success. It's also why we don't really rely on retargeting on Facebook heavily. You don't use a lot of retargeting audiences because, again, your Facebook will look good, but you're not bringing incrementality to your business and ultimately you are going to make the places that you do spend money dumber and dumber and dumber. My point is, if you're spending $1,000 in one campaign, it's going to be pretty smart. If you spend 800 in one campaign and 102 others, your primary campaign is going to be 20% dumber than it could be because the other two spaces are stealing data from it. Remember, data is knowledge. And you're ultimately hindering the success of the ads you have because you're forcing those impressions on other people that may or may not be good for you. And ultimately that's reducing your estimated action rate. Horizontal scaling does work at scale. I've done it when I was spending $10,000 a day, 5,000 a day, 30, $50,000 a day. If you're not spending $2,740 a day, if your run rate is less than a million dollars, there's absolutely much better ways of seeing more success in your Facebook ad account because horizontally scaling 
fundamentally is built around the principle of something that does not match Facebook's objective of improving the customer journey. It's built around the idea of let me force spend to reduce my quality of user experience. And that's ultimately going to be a liability. You might see a good win this week, but it's going to hurt you next month. And we're not worried about winning this week. We're trying to be successful three months from now. We're trying to build something that we don't have to even put that much work into. Some of the most successful people that I know in this space that I've worked with have built something that they don't have to touch. The idea is that it's super easy and it's basically something that you touch a couple times a week and you just throw money at and extract like an ATM machine. That's the way that you want Facebook ads to run. And if you're not running it like that, then there's some other thing that's getting in the way. And part of those things that are getting in the way are all of these cheap hacks from people that are taking non-Facebook practices into the Facebook world and they're succeeding not because they're good at Facebook, but because their myopic view of performance or the client that they're working with is really strong. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess I'll just like vertically scale from now on. Yeah, and, and vertically scale by reducing your cost to make the sale. That's the number one thing. It is fundamentally better business for you to reduce your cost by 10% than to maintain the same cost at 10% more spend. Every business, like that is, it is always better to acquire more revenue for the same or lesser investment. Even if it's the same cost efficiency at a larger scale, there's additional cost that goes into having to spend more money. That is operational efforts. You're going to save money long-term. Instead of saying, well, I hit my CPA target, let me double my spend, cut your CPA in half. That should be your ultimate goal. What can you do this week to make your CPA next week 1% lower. What happens in a month, in two months, in three months when you do that is it has the same effect as if you were to try to struggle by ramping up your spend, but your ads are going to run for months instead of days. Hey, uh, thank you. No problem, man. No problem. Glad to help. Glad to help. All right. We have a couple of questions from YouTube and then we'll come back to the clubhouse. So First question is, where can I get a shirt like that? For those of you watching this, this is a shirt. It says, don't be an asshole. I found this on my friends, wickedclothes.com. Check them out. They're great. I have a lot of their products. I really enjoy what they have to do. Okay, second question. Uh, if Facebook's goal is for users to stay on Facebook, isn't that in conflict with an affiliate's goal of getting users to a landing page? No, not at all. Not in any bit. Um, how does an affiliate reconcile these conflicting goals? There isn't one. You can make content that has people excited about being on Facebook. This isn't about saying that you're, that you're trying to avoid taking people off of Facebook to your landing page. This is saying don't make content so bad that people just leave Facebook, not because they went to your landing page, not because they went to their website, but because you are so offensive, they just left the platform. That's the bigger thing. If your ad, your content leads to somebody logging off, that is horrible. What we all want is somebody to see our content, go to our landing page, make a purchase, and go back to Facebook. That is the win that you're going for. So they're not conflicting goals in any way. Um, and, and, I, and maybe I said that in a way that was incorrect. I thank you for asking me that if it wasn't clear because now I got to clear that up a little bit. Second question from, from the same person. Sorry, this is multiple part. And I do see you there, Clubhouse, and I and will get to you both Jared and Natalie. Don't you worry. I see you there. Um, so so uh, one more question here, and then I'll get back to you. Any recommendation on compo promoting compliance challenge affiliate offers such as crypto and diet? 
What can an affiliate do to keep their accounts alive longer? Any advice for creating backup accounts? Number one piece of advice I can give you, don't get into the business of trying to rely on breaking Facebook's rules if you are not accepting the idea that you're not going to be able to play the game. Um, there are far more effective ways of playing by the rules on Facebook and making money. If you need to try to break the rules just to succeed, the reason that you're struggling isn't because you're not good at Facebook. It's because your success is directly dependent on disrespecting the platform that you're trying to do business on. So my recommendation is don't take affiliates that violate the rules of Facebook. There's tons of opportunities to do affiliate marketing that is completely compliant. Hell, you want to help me sell some of my eBooks and my courses and some of the stuff? They're completely compliant with Facebook rules. Reach me. I'll gladly give you an affiliate thing. Reach out to businesses that are successful. Almost everybody will take the will take a call a conversation to try to do affiliate stuff. And I'm 100% legitimate. Instead of going up to crypto and diet stuff, reach out to me. You can I'll gladly let you try to affiliate my stuff and I can give you at least 3 to 5 other brands easy that'll let you affiliate for them that are completely compliant. And what you want isn't to try to get lucky this week or to try to make money this month. It's to run a business that lasts for months and years. And you can 100% do that with affiliate marketing by being legitimate. Um, and, and my biggest bit of advice is try to get yourself affiliate market for several things that are vertically integrated with the brands haven't done it. And that is a big thing that I've done. And you see this basically, that's what a store is. A store is effectively affiliate marketing for a lot of different brands. A grocery store is affiliate marketing for milk, for cereal, for dog food, for toilet paper, for steaks, for whatever. That's basically the same thing because they buy from somebody and then sell it. So they're affiliate marketers. There's no difference between, you know, uh, there's no difference between Best Buy being an affiliate marketer and you. You're in the same business of selling somebody else's product for them for a share of the money. So. All you have to do to build a brand around affiliate marketing is build a store. That's it. Makes make the store make sense, right? If you want electronic goods, you, you go to Best Buy, right? Like, so figure out your niche, get products that vertically integrate, sell them next to each other. There's no harm in that at all. That's my recommendation. All right, we're going back to Clubhouse here. Uh, I see that we do have something. I don't, don't worry, uh, Frevola Media, I see you. And uh, I will get back to you here in a minute. All right. Jared, 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 you made it this time, buddy. I love it. Let's see here. Okay. Uh, you've, been, you've been messaging me like, yeah, man, I keep missing these things. But you made it today, and that's what's important. Nice to see you, buddy. How can I help? Um, I want to know what you did to help that recent client. Did you Which did one? take them on a lower – from taking their budget lower and how you broke that down? Did you simplify, or did you just give them suggestions – or oh, the one where I got them from sixty, fifty dollars. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, first off, there's a there's a there's a great video on the YouTube that kind of talks to the whole thing. But what I did in a very simple level is three steps. Number one, we identified the LTV of the customer. We started buying to LTV instead of the cost per acquisition. It was a subscription based product. We understood that the average person stuck around for for it was worth more. The, the product was about thirty dollars. And we noticed the average customer is worth about 120 to 150. So we allowed ourselves to buy to the lifetime value. 
We could spend $60, $70 to acquire a customer and double our money, even though we only made $30 on the purchase because that person was worth 120 to 150 bucks. That allowed us to increase our spend. So we went from three or 5,000 a day, ultimately up to 30 and $50,000 a day, which was phenomenal. The next thing that I did was I simplified the shit out of the ad account. We got it down to basically one control campaign with a broad and a lookalike audience following the best practices that have been established for many, many years. You can, if you want to know more about that, you can check out the Bombas case study around a broad and a lookalike audience versus an entirely complicated ad account and how that just absolutely destroyed the complicated ad account is a core element of the power five. Then what I did is I built another campaign that was purely built around creative testing. And all we did was say, if our average cost today is $60 this week, my creative testing, if I get an ad that consistently comes in at 55, great. I'm going to take that 55 and I'm going to drop it into my campaign that's coming in at a 60. And I'm going to take out the ad that costs a little bit over 60. I'm reducing my average by providing better choices. I did that week over week, month over month for about six months. And the ultimate goal was I reduced the cost by 75%. Because all I did was I got ads that did better and better. And now it seems crazy to say, well, how did you get from an ad that got 60 to an ad that got 15? You don't. What you did is you got an ad that got 60 down to 55 to 50. And what you're doing is you're training the algorithm to understand how better to acquire that customer because you're getting better and better at it. And Facebook ultimately is just trying to deliver you a consistent result. So what you have to do is train the algorithm to understand what your business objectives are and then modify that business objective or modify the overall performance that you're getting by providing better choices. If you give the system better choices, which for you is a lower cost CPA, ultimately it's going to make better decisions. If you remove bad choices, it's harder for it to fail. If you're constantly giving it better and better choices and moving worse and worse choices, it's going to make better and better decisions. So ultimately all I did was I established an average. I got an ad that did better than that average. I put that ad into my control campaign, removed the worst player. When you do that over and over and over again, you train the algorithm to understand how to get more and more efficient. Yes, it took six months. Yes, I dropped them down 75%. And yes, I saved them. I gave them an extra million dollars a month in profit by reducing Facebook ad spend because when you're acquiring customers at 12 bucks, you can spend less than one fifth of what you were spending when you were acquiring them for 60 or $70 and get the same amount of revenue but you save a million dollars a month, $12 million in profit a year just by not spending on money on Facebook. And there's a long form video on that, but it's basically creative testing against a control campaign and eliminating all the other shit that gets in the way. And yes, that entire ad account was down to basically three campaigns, a control campaign, a creative testing campaign. And every now and again, I would try some strategic or tactical thing just to QA myself to see if things would work. And hint, hint, none of it ever did. I got it down to basically three to five total ads that were ever running at one time outside of creative testing and two audiences. And that's all I needed. And I've done that dozens of times. And that's honestly the most effective way of running Facebook ad accounts 80, 90% of the time, because you're leaning into what Facebook needs and you're avoiding putting yourself into liabilities of success. Um, and again, long form video on Facebook, a story time from last week where you can see all of that stuff. Does that help, Jerry? Yeah. Do you talk them through what their visuals should be so you know what the visual wins are going to be? Or do you let their professionals that you're working with pick that? Like, are you yeah. saying, hey, let's do customer, let's do creative by concept. I need, I know you have a lot of customer reviews. I know you have a lot of UGC informing or product shots. Hey, let's lean into this area that you have, or do you just let them go and then you just do your thing and be efficient and scale? Yeah, honestly, my, my number one way of project managing is I trust everybody on the team to be the best person on the team at that role. If I'm giving you create, if, if, 
I want to tell you what's working, what's not working. Your job as a creative is to give me stuff that works better. If you can't do it, I find somebody that will. And that's basically the way that it works. If you're not the best, if your discipline, what you contribute to the system, if there's somebody on the team better than you at your job, then you're not going to have that job for a long time. And that's basically just the way that I run business. And, and yes, that's a little aggressive, uh, but that's because it, it doesn't help the rest of the team to deny the weakest link. And at the end of the day, while it's harsh for that one person that's the weakest link, I also have to respect that that person, their level of happiness is tremendously impacted when you go into work every day and you know that you're the liability for success on everybody else and you're struggling constantly that is a really unhappy place and i would rather that person find a better fit than to be the reason that we're, everybody else is unhappy and unsuccessful and that person being a liability is success for that one individual might harm half a dozen or in this case 30 other employees that were profit sharing lost money if this one person couldn't do their job so primarily what I do is I let the expert in every field do the one thing that they're good at. Everybody has one or two things that they contribute. And those people are the best person in the room at the thing that they're contributing. And if that's not the case, then they're not on the team. And that's, it's a bit harsh, but that's how I run my bit. That's how I run businesses. And I will let business owners know that that's what I need from them. And if I'm not seeing success and there is a liability, I'll point that out, even if it's me. Bless you, Charlie. You're the man. Oh, shucks, Jared. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to tuck you back down on Jared. And uh, we'll, we'll get one more person here from Clubhouse. And then I see some more questions on YouTube. Don't you worry, YouTube. I have seen you. And we got another 15 minutes or so. So we're going to try to power through all of these things. Next up is Natalie. Hey, Natalie, please let me know how I can help. Hi there. Hi. Um, we have had great response. We spend very little money on Facebook, but we get the, you know, we get good response from it. Um, and what we've noticed, it, we've, we run like heartstring videos, to, like not even like this is our product and this is what it does, but more like we know how you feel and don't you feel that, you know, that sort of thing. So um, they've been successful. My question is how long can we run those and can we repeat them? Um, do we have to have new one all the time? What is your experience for length of that sort of, uh, brand, you know, uh, awareness ad? Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, and so take a look just now on what you're doing. Um, I would say one thing that I like about your approach is you've identified what, the paid media is bringing to the table. You're not really reliant on your Facebook ads for success for your business, which I think is fundamental to Facebook ads working for people. Second, I love the premise of the question of like, how long can these things run and how much, what do I need to be doing as far as that is concerned? So if I've understood that correctly, I think what I would really focus in on here is trying to quantify the lift that you see from your paid media efforts. Like ultimately try to understand, and, and this is what every advertiser should be doing, whether you're running conversion objectives or not, or lead gen or whatever it is, is if I spend money here, how good is that for my business long-term? 
And whether you're doing local restaurant stuff or in your case with what you're doing with the dog stuff, which I, I love the concept that I'll have to check out more of it when I'm not trying to do a million things um, I'm as dog owner myself. Uh, ultimately, what we need to do is understand when I'm spending money here, what is the impact on my overall revenue? And then focus in on making that better. And I would say that that is an evergreen effort. That is something that I will always try to have done. The purpose of me investing on that platform is to produce that. And my goal is to also always try to maintain the same level of lift or get better. So I think my answer to your question, and sorry, I was reading a little bit of your site while you were asking, so I might've I might have missed a step, but I, I think my answer to your question is one, I would keep the things going if they've proven that they've worked. Two, I would try to quantify the impact that that has. And I would measure that week over week. And if you see the impact reducing in level, uh, if you see the level of impact reducing, basically it's becoming less and less supporting. I'll definitely focus in on trying to address that. And I would make that an evergreen effort. Basically, let me always try to slightly improve what's coming in. And that can be something that doesn't require a lot of time or effort, but ultimately can continually improve what you're bringing to the table. And honestly, if you can bring in several different types of concepts, like you're pulling on heartstrings, you're doing other stuff, you can get better and better by approaching several different angles, several different types of sales pitches, several different types of content. And you might be able to get the same result at a lower level of spend, which ultimately is going to produce you more revenue or, or, or a better overall uh, top line growth because you have you are your costs of doing business is lower. D does that help? Or I, I think I hopefully answered that question. Oh, that helps a whole lot because we can use the same heartstrings, but then like highlight a slightly different aspect of Absolutely. why that the, you know, why, why it improves. I mean, what we sell is essentially very, very complicated. Yeah. And the whole point of it is to make it super simple for people to use to get an immediate result that is great for them and great for their dogs and, and that sort of thing. So we can't go into, here's how we do it. And here's all the geeky, yeah, you know, yeah. hardcore. So it has to be heartstrings, but it can be heartstrings and health, heartstrings and legacy, heartstrings and that sort of thing. So I love it. Every yeah, everything you just said is a different ad set in your creative testing campaign. And your number one objective is to just see which one of those things can I do most effectively. There's not a right or wrong answer. There is a which one of my efforts most effectively gets my business objective done. Because the honest truth is if you write it versus I write it, we're going to have different winners. And there's not a right or wrong there. It's just what out of the resources that you have deliver the best result. And yeah, we know we know why. We, I mean, our, our customers come, our users come to us for different reasons, but we know what those reasons are. We can quantify them. Love it. And then turn those into into great little ads that will will work. And I really really appreciate your energy <laughs> and talking really fast because I do that all the time. And everyone says slow down. And I love that you don't. Um, and thank you. Oh, you're welcome so much, Natalie. And please DM me if you want any extra, uh, uh, if you want anything else here. And honestly, DM me. I'd love to to really help you out here. I think if I could send you, I'll just send you my book. If you DM me with your email, um, 
on, on my one campaign to rule them all strategy. So how to execute this creative testing inside of one campaign? I think it's going to clarify some of the questions that you might have in a week once you start going down this rabbit hole. I, I, I just love to try to give you the answers to that ahead of time. Fab. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Natalie. I'm going to tuck you back down and go back to YouTube for some questions. All right. Over here on YouTube, I promise I'd get back to you. And here we go. Frevola Media says, any advice for optimization attribution settings for small budgets, 1500 3500 a month? This is a duality of an answer. Number one is I would run the smallest attribution optimization setting possible so that you can have the highest confidence in the data that you get while still leaving the learning phase. That being said, if you are hip enough to your data to understand that Facebook response has never been legit and you're measuring the impact across your entire ecosystem ROAS, then go for the biggest attribution you can to give Facebook the most amount of data because you're no longer worried about Facebook's legitimacy in the reporting. You're just worrying about if I spend more money here, what ultimately happens for me down the line. So that would be my answer to you. If you have the ability to see the entire ecosystem and measure your lift from advertising on Facebook, then go for the longest window possible. If you do not have that visibility, you're not able to, to measure that, then you need to Facebook to look as, as, as strong as possible and to be as robust as you can, then use the smallest attribution optimization window possible that'll let you leave the learning phase. Um, those are the two things. And uh, a lot of ad agencies will try to take the biggest attribution window possible so they can take as much credit for other people's work as they possibly can. That's all honestly because ad agencies are not built around the success of their client. They're built around the myopic view of their own success. However, if you are able to measure the overall success of what you're doing, then, hey, go for the biggest piece because you don't give a damn what Facebook says. You're ultimately measuring lift across your entire business. That'd be my answer for you. Raj says, once an ad set is tested well and you move it to the control campaign, should you start with a small budget and increase it over time? You can just launch with a $1,000 a day budget. Um, Raj, what I would do in your control campaign, if you don't have one, is start one at a small budget. Let it prove that it let it let prove itself as being. I think, are you also, is that you also in Clubhouse? I don't know. I can't tell. There's also Raj high up on Clubhouse. And you look similar, but I can't tell because the, the screenshots are small. Anyway, um, my suggestion here is that if you don't have a control campaign, launch one with an efficient enough budget, a large enough budget to leave the learning phase. And then let that thing stabilize and prove that it's better than your control, than your creative testing campaign. And then as it's better, you just invest more money because it's a better investment. And then ultimately, when it, when it takes over all the budget and you can't test anything else, then you switch out your testing. You, you remove the best elements from your testing. You try to get a new winner. And you just try to make it really hard for your testing to win so that when it does win, you can rely on that being something that you can lean on for success. Um, but you can absolutely start with a thousand dollar a day budget. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer there. It's purely dependent on how much money do you have and start your control campaign at a low enough budget that it doesn't become a liability to your overall success, but it has a large enough budget for you to leave the learning phase quickly and with confidence. And then it's just about investment management between the different campaigns, the two campaigns that you have. So you're spending the most amount of money where you see the best success. That would be my recommendation. Um, Frevelis says, I'm doing lead gen for 11 automotive dealerships. If that helps with context, I appreciate the help and hello from Florida. Well, hello, Florida. I lived there for 10 years in central Florida. 
Um, I'm doing lead gen for 11 automotive dealerships. I love the idea of doing that. Um, attribution settings for you. Yeah, I would try to do. Honestly, you're probably not going to be able to with a $1,500 a month across 11 different places. You're probably going to have to just do the biggest attribution model that you possibly can and then hope to measure the lift from those car dealerships. That's a hard business at that level of volume. Um, but I would try. Yeah, I mean. You're going to have to pick a lane. Either you're going to go on volume of data or you're going to go on profitability of each individual effort. That's that's going to be a hard thing. DM me if you want some more advice there because I think that's, that's a bigger question that I can answer in the next 90 seconds. Raj says, removing an ad from testing the control using the same post ID, we sometimes have Facebook interface issues that not allow us to use a post ID and recreate the ad. Does that impact the process? Yes, sometimes that happens. It's super fucking annoying, I'll be completely honest. And, and when that does happen, you just have to reproduce reproduce the ad. If it's one in your DCTs and then it's one inside of your creative testing campaign and it's sort of a proven ground area, when you remake it again, it's most likely going to win again. And if it doesn't, then it wasn't good enough anyway. So if it can't win on its own, you have to remake it, then it wasn't good enough for you to use anyway. And it's what we call a false positive. So you have to rebuild it. Sometimes it's just the case. But if it won once and it won twice, it should win a third time. Otherwise, it's not going to be something you're going to rely on 100 days from now anyway. So it's not something that you should rely on today to begin with. Next question comes from David. David, well, I feel like I've seen you here before. Maybe been a while. Anyway, when removing and adding new creatives to a dynamic creative campaign, does doing so reset the learning phase for the campaign? It, if you add elements to a dynamic creative, it most likely will put that dynamic creative ad set into a learning phase. My advice to you is I would not try to add new elements to an existing dynamic creative unless you're running the idea of I'm just going to have two or three evergreen dynamic creatives. I'm removing the worst options. I'm adding the best. If you're going that route, absolutely, those are the problems that you decide to have instead of launching new ad sets and getting them out of the learning phase. Either way, you're going to face the same problem. It's just a matter of how you organize your ad account. There's no right or wrong answer there. I highly recommend, though, that you realize that, yes, you are going to be re-entering the learning phase. No, that's not a terribly big issue. And, yes, your ultimate goal from that dynamic creative is to produce a winning post ID and remember, you can extract post IDs from dynamic creators. I talk about it all the time. I don't know why that that is something that's not widely known because it's existed for many, many years now. And I've talked about it a long time. Again, to do that, you go to preview. You go face in the upper right-hand corner of your thing. I'm going to just do this point on the screen on YouTube and you check it out there. Up in the upper part right here, there's a little square with an arrow out of it. You hit that little square and it says Facebook post with comments. That pops out a preview of all the dynamic creatives that you have. You find the one that you want. You hit the timestamp. It says the, the page name up here. And then it's got created by and then a time. You hit that time. That opens up that post in the new window. Boom, there's the post ID at the end of the URL right there. Utilize that one. All right, next question. So Raj says, so when we start a campaign with, say, three ad sets targeting audience with Boom, and you think it's going good, you decide to increase your budget by 20% after looking at three every data in return. The CPA goes a bit high, but then settles down from day two. You again increase the budget. This is effective. Not sure you can scale faster than this without ruining the CPA. Yeah, so basically Raj here is repeating what I was talking about when it's going to scaling built around the CPA. Yes. If you're running a campaign and it's successful and it's left the learning phase and you know what the end result is most likely going to be, and based on that result, you've identified some headroom that you have built around the cost per acquisition, then yes, you can increase the budget by that much. Give it a day or two. I, I, I would give it two or three days. And if, it's, if, if it settles down and it's still good, do it again. If it settles and it's still good, do it again. You can do that to massively increase the spend level. I would challenge you to, instead of relying purely on that, 
Do that while you're doing creative testing. And then when you get a winner from creative testing, stop scaling the budget, bring in that new creative testing winner and try to use that to push down the CPA. So when you have new creative testing winners, your goal is to get more efficient. That'll buy you more headroom so that you can then scale the budget again. And you repeat that over and over again. And that's how you go from three, $4,000 a day at a 50 or $60 CPA to 30 to $50,000 a day at like a 15. That's honestly how it kind of works. So hopefully that helps. And I will, oh, well, look, we're, we're coming up on an hour. So DM me if you have any other questions. I'd love to help you out. David says, appreciate you for the reply. And yep, I commented on your channel before and briefly asked about the MBA program a little while back. Awesome. And yes, um, I will be doing another round of the Facebook ads MBA program in September. If you want to get in on that, basically it is a nine week course, nine week immersive course slash uh, consulting. Basically there's an online course. There's like eight or nine eBooks. There's homework, there's weekly classes and one-on-ones. And by the time you're done with that, you're going to be better than 80% of the people on the face of the planet that run Facebook ads. DM me if you want to get a part of that. It is not cheap, but the reward is magnificent and very quick. And Everybody doing it so far is seeing massive success. So I will be opening up another class. It'll be open to roughly 10 people. So it is absolutely a first come first serve. And I will not just let anybody in. So please let me know if you're interested. I want people to succeed. Anyway, with that being said, follow me on all of the things. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. If you do enjoy this, it would mean the world to me if you told one person about what we're doing here. Share the things, tag me, do your homework, get 50% off the Slack, get 50% off the Patreon, or get 20% off any of the eBooks here. And I will talk to you all later. See you on the internet at some other time. My name is Charlie. Thank you very, very much.